So this is a very significant Sunday. I know uh, there's been a number of markers along the way in, in this sort of very strange, crazy last 18 months. Uh, a number of markers in this strange time, and there will still be more to come, uh, I sense. But today, uh, after the joy of last week's Balmedi baptisms, this is definitely a very significant moment. We are back to a 10.30 a.m. service. I don't know if anyone strolled in at 11. If you did, don't worry about it. I have forgotten about the 10.30 thing about six times this week, uh, as have some of my family. Uh, I'll say no more on that. Uh, but uh, it's, I have had a few panics along the way thinking, oh my, imagine I got it wrong and just pitched up half an hour. So I was here very early to make sure that didn't happen. Uh, the other very significant thing at the moment is that Kintor Community Church are running their services weekly at 10.30 a.m. as well from this Sunday onwards. I mean, praise God. That is a huge moment for them in their community of faith. And we just want to pray. Let's pray right now. Father in heaven, by your spirit, just bless the work of Kintor Community Church. Bless their service. They're gathering right now. Maybe as your word's going forth, as kids are hearing about Jesus, as songs of praise are being sung, as the noise from that village fulfills the community. Oh, Lord God, would you lead Contour Community Church on in your love and in your purposes in these days. Amen. Amen. Another significant thing just now is that, as I've mentioned, there's no YouTube service going on. And I think, truthfully, as maybe Dan alluded, you know, there's maybe different feelings about the season that we've been in. And I think the YouTube services probably uh, elicit different feelings among us as a community of faith as well. Um, some uh, among us have found YouTube very difficult and are really glad to celebrate this new moment of gathering back together like this. Others have just been hugely helped and encouraged by the YouTube services and, and, and truthfully are actually quite sad to see them go. And I suspect for many of us, we're somewhere in the middle there. We're grateful to God for how he has used them, but we're also glad to acknowledge a new season that we are in just now. And it's a big moment. Um, while both Hillview and Kintour do intend to put some content up on YouTube later on today and into the future, the fact that there's no service running right now will hopefully serve as an encouragement for all who are able, which is not everyone, and we are praying and caring for those as best we can as a church, all of us, but for those who are able, we, we, we want that to be an encouragement to prioritize the coming together of God's people like this. As Scott said, it is awesome to see so many gathered here. It is precious to be together in Jesus' name. As we always say, as we always say, Sunday mornings are definitely not all the Christian life is about. Far from it. But it is most certainly a vitally important part of how God has intended for us all to be wired. That as his people, we would gather together on the Lord's day to hear his word, to share bread and wine, to sing praise to him, to share in fellowship together and, and much more as well. It's very precious. And just in passing on this, I want to encourage you to be on the lookout for those who are missing from among us. This has not been easy to do for almost 18 months. It's been hard to know who's around and who's not because people might have been engaging with YouTube or they might not have been. But now we can know. 
If we don't see people here week in, week out, if we don't see people at small group or prayer meetings or ladies' Bible study or the weekend away, we can know and we can look out for them. We can look to check in on them. And I want to encourage us all to be trying to, to do that. Two last things to mention in terms of this being a significant Sunday. The kids and the little ones are away, getting focused care and content just for them, which also enables us a little bit of space. Do you hear that? We haven't heard that in a long time in our gatherings. And listen, don't get me wrong. We say here regularly, and I believe, I know I mean it, and I believe everyone who says it does mean it. We are absolutely delighted to have the children around. What a blessing it is to have babies making noise, children running around, kids going crazy. I mean, we are thankful to God for kids uh, that, that he's granted us in this family of faith. But it is also very good and significant for them and for their parents and for their carers and indeed for all of us that kids' church and crash are back up and running. Then finally, listen, are you ready for this? Look back over there over your left-hand shoulder. There's tea and coffee after the service, uh, which is awesome. I know that at least one member of my household has regularly been saying, just checking, we're getting tea and coffee again at some point, right? Not that they like tea or coffee, but they do like treats. So, um, so it is back, and that is uh, very special. So there is a lot about today which marks this as a significant Sunday in this ongoing time of change. And then for this moment, we've got a new sermon series kicking off today. Come on, you whipped and hollered for tea and coffee? You're not going to whip and holler? <laughs> I love it. Uh, so we are going to spend uh, seven sermons, not all together, but dotted around uh, between now and Advent in Jeremiah. And if you'd like to get a Bible uh, or find it in your app, uh, there's Bibles at the back if you don't have one. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love you to keep that or to speak to us about getting a different Bible to you. But we're going to be in Jeremiah from chapters 29 to chapter 33. And we're just going to spend seven uh, sermons just soaking in these chapters in the Old Testament. And, and really, in this morning's message, I just do want to spend some time almost as a sort of way of introduction. Why are we looking at these five chapters? And I feel like I need to set some context there because I have to be honest and say that these five chapters of Jeremiah are not representative of the whole book. So Jeremiah is 52 chapters long, and while in some way it's not a huge problem to jump in at particular chapters, one of the reasons for that is that Jeremiah is not actually written in chronological order. It was compiled together by Jeremiah and his assistant Baruch uh, from basically multiple different reflections and moments from Jeremiah's life. So in that sense, it's okay to kind of dive in a few chapters, but what is worth noting is that there is no other section of the book with the feel of these five chapters. Dan's already read a little bit from Jeremiah uh, chapter 31, I believe. Was it 31? Yeah, my mind went blank there. Um, but let's read another section just to, just to hear the sort of tone of God's word that we're going to be soaking in in these weeks. And I hope as you, as you heard what Dan read, as you hear this, we're going to read another section later on, just that you pray that the Spirit might grant you excitement and anticipation 
for what God can do among us as we consider these verses together. So Jeremiah 31, I'm going to read from 2 to 9. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. I mean, even that, right? Could we just camp out there for a minute? Anyone feel like they've been in the wilderness? Thus says the Lord, those of us who have survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. When Israel sought for rest, the Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Again, I will build you and you shall be built, O virgin Israel. Again, you shall adorn yourself with tambourines and shall go forth in the dance of the merrymakers. Again, you shall plant vineyards on the mountains of Samaria. The planters shall plant and shall enjoy the fruit. For this shall be a day when watchmen will call in the hill country of Ephraim, Arise and let us go up to Zion, to the Lord our God. For thus says the Lord, Sing aloud with gladness for Jacob and raise shouts for the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise and say, O Lord, Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Behold, I will bring them from the north country and gather them from the farthest parts of the earth, among them the blind and the lame, the pregnant woman and she who is in labor, together, a great company. They shall return here. With weeping, they shall come. And with pleas for mercy, I will lead them back. I will make them walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Israel and Ephraim is my firstborn. Such beautiful words of blessing. And I'm sitting in my car at Sand End on my sabbatical on the Murray Coast, reading through Jeremiah. And I'll be honest, having some difficulty as I'm doing that at certain points along the way. And then I get to passages like this, from especially chapter 30 onwards. And I just, I'm struck of the, 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 the way that God spoke to me and how I needed to hear these words. And my sabbatical-inspired Bible highlighting system, TM, burst into life. If you want to know about my Bible highlighting system, come and speak to me. It's awesome. Uh, and I can help you with that. Uh, and I get out my yellow pen for God's promises and my green pen for the grace and nearness and intimacy with God and my pink pen for God's heart of love and God's heart for the broken and the needy and my blue pen for living in the abundance of what God has for us. And, I'm, you know, and, and there's not been a whole lot of those colors in, in the first few parts of Jeremiah. But when I get to chapters 30 to 33, it's green for God's grace and kindness. And it's all those other things I've mentioned. And I think to myself, we have got to spend some time camping out here as we enter this new season. But here's the thing. When we've gone through a book in this church from start to finish, I have regularly said, the reason that we go through a Bible book from start to end is because you can't skip over the hard parts. So given that we are indeed skipping over many of the hard parts over these coming weeks, we just need to look at that. And that's what today's message is all about. What is this book of Jeremiah all about? 
Well, just by way of a little bit of background, Jeremiah lived across the 7th and 6th centuries BC. Um, We don't know where he was, or we don't know exactly when he was born, but it was likely to be around 645 BC. Jeremiah was called by God as a young man and was a priest and a prophet for over 40 years. And he lived during a time of massive change. Now, John, could we switch to the laptop here? Because just to try and just help you frame where the story of Jeremiah comes, what I'm going to do is just give a very high-level overview of the sort of main points of the story of the history of God's people. I don't know about you, but I grew up in, in the church, and only, only now am I beginning to piece together the different parts of the story of God's people. So I just help this, I hope this is an encouragement to you as we figure out where on earth does Jeremiah come in the story of God's people. So from Genesis 12, we see that God chooses a people for himself, and he establishes a covenant with Abraham and his descendants. Then we see that the people end up in slavery in Egypt, and we hear the story of God rescuing them out of Egypt. And then we see this journey to the promised land, and life there in all its mess and sinfulness under the judges. And you can read about that. And, and there's that little phrase at the, in the last chapter of Judges where it just says, and ev- all the people did what was right in their own eyes, which in many ways sums up this whole story. God chooses a people for blessing, but again and again, they, again and again, we do what is right, not in what God wants for us, but in our own eyes. And then on from that point, the people desire a king, though God was to be their ruler. Uh, they, they want to live under a king, and God grants them to do that. Then f- very soon, actually, after the monarchy is established, there is this rejection of, of God's ways, and there's this division that comes between Judah and Israel, and they split under different kings and different kingdoms. Then, sometime later, Israel is taken into captivity, and then later, Judah is also taken into captivity following the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 BC. And then we have the return of the exile in about 445 BC, and this is what we looked at when we went through the books of Ezra and Nehemiah on YouTube. Uh, This is when the, the temple was rebuilt, the walls were rebuilt, and then after that, we have what's often known as 400 years of silence. 400 years where the Bible doesn't really say anything until the, the, until the coming of Jesus Christ. Just a very high-level overview there, and it really does highlight this sort of endless rejection of God. Over and over again, God's heart of love and the people pushing God away and doing what was right in their own eyes. And the book of Jeremiah takes place in this time when Judah is taken into captivity and, uh, and, and, and following the destruction of Jerusalem. In fact, you can read about that in Jeremiah 51, I think it might be. Is it? Someone check. Uh, you see if I've got that right or not. But uh, you can read about the destruction of Jerusalem in that in that book. And uh, this is where we find Jeremiah in in the history of God's people during this very difficult time of the fall of Jerusalem. The the book would have been compiled and put together uh, sometime soon after that. So this is important because we're trying to understand who is this book primarily written for? You might have heard the phrase, the Bible is written for us, but it's not written to us. 
uh, which is a helpful way just to engage with what you read. Well, this book, Jeremiah, was written to a certain group of people in a certain time. And it's helpful for us. It helps us understand what God is saying through the prophet Jeremiah. And as we begin to think of this moment, following the destruction of Jerusalem, following being taken from the land that God had given them out into exile, we realize that the first recipients of this book would have been a scattered people. A disconnected people, disconnected from one another, disconnected from God, disconnected from the religious practices that they had been used to, disconnected indeed from their normal way of life. (laughs) Anyone relate to that? Scattered, confused, life different, church different, faith different? This is important as to why we're looking at this book. These were also people who were living during a time of massive change around the world with huge political shifts happening all around about them. People trying to make sense of what had happened. This book was written to people who were cut off from life the way they knew it was meant to be. They were people awaiting the end of exile and eagerly desiring that sense of return to life with God and life with God's people. And crucially, this book was written to people who had wandered from God's path and who were having to understand and live with the consequences of that. So because of that, huge sections of the book of Jeremiah are very difficult to read. Scrolling behind me, is the Jeremiah overview that the ESV study Bible have put together. And look at the various sections of this book, some of the words that the ESV editors have used to sum it up. Faithlessness, repentance. Over a hundred times in Jeremiah, he issues the call to repent, to, to turn back and come home to God. Idolatry, deceitfulness, grief, struggle, opposition, Betrayal, being burdened, suffering, confrontation, judgment, rebellion, destruction, and exile. That's the context that Jeremiah 30 and 29 to 33 comes in. Now, why am I highlighting all this if we're not looking at these sections? Because the passages we are going to look at, the full extent of their wonder and beauty cannot be seen unless we acknowledge the darkness and the hopelessness of the context into which God speaks these incredible, beautiful words. And because if our hearts are open to the Spirit of God, we will be able to identify ourselves as Apart from God's grace, when we're, when we're left to ourselves as living within a, a very similar, horrible backdrop of burden and struggle, just like the people of that day. I mean, speak of political turmoil. Speak of changing powers in significant nations around the world. Struggle between countries and powers. Anyone finding the world around about them different to how it has been in years gone by? Anyone found life with God difficult 
recently? Anyone feeling disconnected from him? Lacking joy and faith? The songs that used to burst forth in joy just muted, leaving us somewhat numb? Anyone feeling scattered as the people of God? That closeness of family that we once felt as Hillview Community Church seeming distant? Is anyone feeling anxious or upset or bewildered as they look around at what the world celebrates compared to what God's word and God's heart calls us to? Whether it's education or media or journalism, politics, entertainment, Is anyone conscious of the many ways you personally have wandered from God, dishonoring him in your thoughts, your emotions, your actions, your your daily rhythms? Is anyone full of grief and lament with very little or maybe even it feels like no faith to believe that hope will ever rise again? The book of Jeremiah saturates us in those kinds of realities for the vast majority of this book. And then, into that darkness, the light of God's promises of coming restoration and compassion shine forth with stunning, awe-inspiring beauty. Let's read one more passage that we'll come to in the coming weeks. Jeremiah 32, 37. I've put 36, but it's actually 37 to uh, 41 there. Behold, I, God, will gather my people. I think there it says, uh, what does it say in the original? Uh, I will gather them, the people of Israel, but... We'll get to why we can include ourselves in that in just a moment. I will gather my people from all the countries to which I drove them in my anger and my wrath and in great indignation. I will bring them back to this place and I will make them dwell in safety and they shall be my people and I will be their God. I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for their own good and the good of their children after them. I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them. And I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me. I will rejoice in doing them good. And I will plant them in this land in faithfulness with all my heart and all my soul. Isn't it awesome when you hear God say things like that? Like God doesn't need to say that. Like there's no measures of passion within God. But when God says with all my heart and all my soul. I'm going to bring blessing. I'm going to do them good. We better take notice because this is what I believe we can be praying for us as God's people here now, all in the grace of God, all completely undeserved, all of us within the context of needy people crying out to God, all 
trusting not in ourselves, but trusting in the promises of God, that we would pray that God might gather us again, and that he would give us a heart to pray that he would gather Contour Community Church and Deeside Christian Fellowship and, and, what's the name of the church? Fieldside, help me. St. Devonix, thank you, and the churches around Aberdeen, that God would gather his people together and that his church around the world would be strengthened, made strong again and again and again. We can begin to pray that. We can also be praying that we might know what it means to dwell with God in safety, in that beautiful place of communion with God, knowing the closeness of the love of God, that love which casts out all fear, how we need to rest in the love of God which casts out fear in this day. We can begin to pray that we might know what it means to dwell with God in safety and also that we would be gathered together, not just practically, but in our unity before God, together in our priorities, in fearing and honoring God above all else, and that the church around the world might know this as its priority. We can begin to pray that we would celebrate that our standing with God is rooted in his covenant faithfulness and that we would come back to him day after day being shaped by him, being changed by him and the work that he is doing in us by his spirit. We can begin to pray that we would be people who know that our God is good and that our God acts in perfect goodness towards us as his people and that he rejoices in doing good to us. Isn't it awesome? God doesn't just do good to you, but God rejoices that he's able to do good to you. What kind of God is this? And that we would come in wonder and adoration and praise in light of this awesome fact. And finally, we can know the wonder of being rooted and established and built up in this great God of ours. And that we pray as Contour flourishes and as Hillview flourishes, that we might more and more embrace the reality of us being sent people, commissioned by God to go, not just Matthew Dennis, but all of us to join in God's work as he, with all his heart and soul, does the work of planting his church and growing his church in faithfulness. This is what we can pray over these days. I pray that we might have that sense of excitement and anticipation to rest in these and some of these other passages as God gathers us together and leads us on. Here's the closing question. How can we know that this is for us? I mean, we're, we're diving into the middle of a book written at a specific time to a specific context. Well, we can know that this is for us here today, for anyone who loves Jesus, because all of these promises in Jeremiah point forward to him, to the Lord Jesus Christ. The the people in Jeremiah's day had to hold on to faith, to believe that these promises could come true. But for us, we know they have come true. All of these promises are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at that in these days, the way that Jesus is the one who enables us to live under this new everlasting covenant. These promises are for now. Therefore, anyone who would rest in Jesus day by day, and indeed, they still point forward. One day, we will know the full realization 
the full consummation of all these promises that we, we taste now, one day in full, we will know it. And what a day that will be. We are a people living in exile. We almost studied First Peter in these weeks, which speaks to that. We're a needy, sinful, lost, weary people living in exile, but we're coming home. We're coming home. Yes, that's true for us in this season of life in the church, but it's also true for us as part of Jesus' church around the world week by week. We are a people coming home trusting in God's faithfulness, living in the goodness of God, rejoicing in his heart of delight for us and giving him the glory that is due his name. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Why? Because of your love and your faithfulness, as we see there in Jeremiah chapter 32 and across the whole story of the Bible. Friend, friend, weary, struggling, lost, scattered. Come home. Come home. Open your heart to this great God. May he do that for us as individuals, and may he bind us together as his people here, fulfilling the call that he has for Hillview Community Church in these days. Let's come home to him. Let's pray. Father, just two things we want to say to you in this time, or two things I would suggest we bring our hearts to say to you. Thank you, God. We just look at these verses that we've read, the three big chunks that we've read from these chapters, and we're blown away. We do not have adequate words that would express the depth of gratitude that we should feel that we would rightfully bring before you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that though we push you away, you draw us in. You never give up on us. You're faithful. You're you're true to your promises. How we need that to be the case and how we know that in Christ, we're safe in those promises. So we just say, thank you, God. And then also, God, we would secondly say, we need you. We need you. We do still feel lost. We do still feel needy. We feel confused, bitter, concerned. So we just say, Spirit of God, meet us in that place of need. Lead us home, even now, into your heart of love. Jesus' name.